Hey guys, um, this one's a bit different uh, today. Uh, this this episode, um, I actually recorded it over a month ago. It would have been, jeez, um, uh, let me check, um, 23rd, 23rd of the 7th, 23rd of July, um, but it's taken a while to get a lot of things cleared, but there's a lot of legalities that we're waiting on. Um, I spoke to Sophia in regards to her journey, I guess you could call it a journey, um, I spoke to Sophia in regards to her life living with, living in a domestic violence situation, um, it's a bit different to some of the stuff that I've normally presented, um, I want to thank her outright just for, you know, coming on, being honest and putting it all forward, um, yeah, it's this one has taken a while to sort of get off to put out, but um, yeah, I feel like this is a really this is a situation which really isn't given a lot of light in Australia, despite the fact of how much we promote it. Um, I still feel that there isn't nearly enough exposure on this sort of stuff, and there are people living in these situations, and half the time they don't even realise that they're in them. But yeah. There are improvement works ahead, so this train will terminate at the next station. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Oh, so hey, hey, get me outside. How about that? Are you Muslim? Like that? There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever know what they were? Or did you just take a guess at what they were when you were growing up? Um, I thought they were called worry beads. Yeah, they are. So then they're for anxiety. <laughs> Is that what, like, stress and, and like, twitchy... Yeah. Like those fidget spinners that um, that autistic children play with in... That's what annoys me about the fidget spinners, when people said they were revolutionary. It's like, yeah. well, they're not. The Greeks and the Turks and, you know, by default, like, by extension, the Arabs in the Middle East have been using worry beads yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they had the original fidget spinners, like, five centuries ago. Like, it's not revolutionary, bro. Like, we've been, they've been doing it for a long time over there. Yeah. They're actually brilliant. I um, I just got back from overseas, and I had... I couldn't find my... I used to have a suitcase that was literally built for short trips. You know what I mean? Like, it was just perfect. And um, it went missing, I think, maybe after I moved, or maybe after my mum moved. I can't remember, but it went missing. And... um. The last short trip I took, my mum had my auntie's suitcase, which she was using, which was like perfect size for, you know, five-day trip sort of thing. And I called her and said, hey, I need a suitcase. She's like, oh, don't know. I think your aunt's taking it back. Can't find it in the garage. I'm like, okay. Message my aunt. She's like, oh, I'll have a look. I don't know where it's gone. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I got on Marketplace and I found like a cheap new bag somewhere in Brunswick, Coburg. And I'm like, I was on my way home from work. I'm like, ah, stopped in, picked it up for like 50 bucks. Brand new. Yeah, you know, none of that musty, like, took this bag to, like, the beach smell. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I bought it. And then my mum's messaged me, like, two days before. She messaged me either the day before I left. I think it was the day before I left, because I left on a Monday. She, I'm pretty sure it was Sunday. And she's like, hey, I got you a suitcase. I found it brand new at, like, an op shop. I'm like, thank you, but I've already bought one. Yeah. She's like, oh, come and get it anyway. I'm like, what am I going to do with two suitcases? Like, so, I went past. And I'm like, look, Margot, I think it's too big anyway. It won't fit in the overhead. And um, But she had a set of worry beads sitting on the actual thing. I'm like, what are these? She's like, oh, I found them. 
like I think at the op shop as well. I don't know, but they were Mickey as or like gold bronze color, tiny. They're like a travel set. It was really weird. I'm like, actually, that's not a good, that's not a bad idea. I actually took them with me from the second I got out of the car to get on the bus to at the uh, long term parking at the airport. I started like flicking them around. Yeah, best thing I've ever had on a holiday. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. It's just anxiety. Like, you're sitting at the airport. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Clack, 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 clack. <laughs> going through passport control, going through, like, you know, put your bags in to get scanned. It's like, okay, here's a bag with, like, a tablet and some jocks. There's a wallet, a passport, and a set of worry beads every yeah. time you come through. Yeah. But, nah, like, these old wogs actually got it down pat. They're freaking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming down. I know, like, I first reached out to you, like, when was it? March, like you said, March, April, yeah. whatever, and it's just been crazy. But this was always in the back of my mind, like, to to have you on. Um, firstly, like, I just want to ask, like, what's your actual motivation, like, to come down and put this out? So, I really feel like there's not enough uh, awareness um, about this domestic violence topic out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, yeah, my motivation is to inform people um, and to raise awareness about what it looks like. And um, if this helps someone, then I'm, I'm so happy. Like, I fulfilled. <laughs> I fulfilled the goal of, of raising awareness. Like, if this helps someone, then if someone listens to this and goes, oh, my God, I'm in this relationship I've got to do something about it, then I'm happy. Like just one person does that, I'll be so happy that I've reached someone and, and they've realised what's going on. How long has it, the whole sort of journey been for you from start to finish, like, let's say in terms of years? Twelve and a half years. Twelve and a half years? Would you mm. say it's still ongoing? Oh, it's still ongoing, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. As in beyond your control or as in you're actively pursuing shit to rectify the last 12 years? Yeah, I have to actively pursue shit. I am now working on myself. Um, the scars just go so deep and, um, you have to constantly retrain and reframe what people are saying to you and how they're treating, you know, like say from a business perspective, if someone does something, it's not personal, right? They're just a business. But if you, um, you know, like I just automatically respond and take it personally and go, oh my God, this is making me feel so unworthy. And, um, and then I go into that dark spiral of what he just used to do to me. Yeah. It just triggers me, but I have to rationalize it and go, no, this isn't, you know, um, an abusive situation. Like it's just a business being a business, you know, don't take it personally. It's not an emotional response or an emotional, like, um, it shouldn't need to be. Yeah. It's not a controlling mechanism. It's just just how it is. Just work. Yeah, yeah. Like it is what it is. But the thing is like, because I'm so heightened still, um, I'm taking everything personally. Yeah. And I'm triggered. Okay. When did you sort of step out of that vortex sort of bubble thing and start seeing everything clearly? Uh, last, how long ago? Last year in April. So I had, a year? I had, yeah. I had an epiphany. So it's only been a year since like your like step towards out of like toxicity. Yep. What, I feel like, a, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to remember, because we only had a handful of conversations like to this point, so I'm trying to remember what is, if you had mentioned it to me, I thought it may have, I felt like it was longer. No. Okay. <laughs> it's been like almost, well, in August it'll be 13 years. Yeah. Um, but last year in April, that's when I had an epiphany and I realised 
what was happening to me, of the situation that I was in. We've sort of skipped. I know. Like 30 odd, to- 30 odd years <laughs> of like development. Um, we need to go back. <laughs> all right. So rewinding it back. Yeah. Can you, do you know? Okay. Like I've mentioned, to, like I know I've mentioned this to you, like this this is an issue which is pretty close to me for a lot of reasons. Like, I mean, I grew up around it, um, especially being a wog. Like, do you know what I mean? It, it was in, it's in the community. Mm-hmm. It's something you just see as normal, yeah. you know, or you yeah. just compartmentalize it or you just normalize it, period. Like, yeah. You, you accept know. it. You accept the behavior yeah. as normal. Even if you saw it as fucked up, even if you saw it as a, this shouldn't be happening, it's sort of like, yeah, they'll work it out. Yeah, or it is what it is, or yeah, that's just how it is. That's or normal. don't meddle because it's none of your business. Exactly. Yeah, like there's that big stigma sort of thing around it. Yeah, um, which is really strange. And like I've I've had these conversations. Like I've been obviously growing up around it, and then dealing with it as an adult. Like you know, like I can sort of I can understand why that sort of occurred. Say in the gener- generation before us, right? I can get, I get it. Even like being, um, you know, it is a kid, you know, like I can see why, you know, like I can understand it. I don't forgive it, but mm-hmm. I get it. Right. Yeah. But you think even in like 2022 with everything we know about Australia says no and everything that we learn, people sort of say to me, you know, that can't really be happening. It's like, well, you pull the stats up and see you know, 300 women are likely to be killed, you know, per year based on being in a relationship with their partner, not not shot randomly on the street. We're talking about this is someone you're actually trusting with your life in your house. Like, it's just the, the number's really ridiculous. It's sort of strange to think that people, like, in our sort of age bracket would still be going through the motions of these sort of things. Mm-hmm. So when I ask you, like, if you had to say, you know, how did, all, how, how did you manage to get yourself into a situation like this? How far back would you go down the stem? Oh, from birth, from conception even. Yeah? Yeah. Why? Um, Ancestral trauma that's been passed on, intergenerational, you know. It's um, heavily present in both of my parents' families. Um, And um, unfortunately for my parents, they're in the same situation. And um, my mother married into it. And... Well, not married into it. She was forced into it. And um, I was a big reason for why she was forced into the marriage. Um, Out of wedlock, I was conceived. That brought a lot of shame. So she felt like she had to do duty. Standard, yeah. Yeah, marry dad. And um, so she was abused her whole life by her horrible mother. And... um, then dad started abusing her when she moved in with him when, after they got married. How, how much of that did you know, like, as far as, like, say, your grandmother? Oh, well, my grandmother physically abused me. Oh. Yeah. So then mom and dad um, had a shop and they didn't have time to look after me. So they, Standard, yeah. Yep, so they moved me into my grandparents' house and my grandmother started abusing me. I don't know how old I was when it started happening but I firmly remember episodes where it was happening to me on a daily basis. And I had, um, so I remember this one time where she got my grandpa's belt and she started belting the crap out of me. 
and I was whimpering and asking her to stop and she belted me till I bled. I reckon I was five. And I wasn't even a naughty child. Like I had been beaten into submission by her, but but even before that I wasn't I was just a quiet little girl that, you know, liked to draw and watch T V and you know, like I and play with my dolls and I didn't do anything wrong at all. But she used to turn it these um, situations like where I had my dolls on the floor, I would go to the toilet and I'd come back and she'd be like, oh, you made such a mess. You know, you've just done such a bad thing. And then she'd go get the belt and start hitting me and use that as a flimsy excuse to hurt me. It's like, it's not a mess. I'm playing with it. I've just come back from the toilet. But as a little kid, you don't know that, It's crazy. Yeah. You're five, six years old. Yeah. You don't And even you know yourself, this isn't. How is this bad? Like, what am I doing? I didn't... Well, no, but, like, initially that's how I thought, right? But then, like, she kept doing it so much that I thought I was a really bad child. And I believed it when I, when she said, don't tell anyone what I've done because that you will be so embarrassed about your behaviour, you know, like, you deserve this. This is why I'm punishing you like this. Like, she made me crazy. Um, yeah. So that, you know, like, so she primed me for the abuse. And you yourself knew initially that you weren't, I mean, you look back at it now and you know you weren't a bad kid. Like you were, you know, it's weird. uh, Someone I work with yesterday, um, we're having like a a meeting basically about some stuff and I flew, I didn't fly off the handle at him, but I just sort of exasperated. I said, no, fuck X and X. These are what's going to happen. Let him feel like, I just cracked it. And he said, were you always this stubborn? And like, pig-headed and, uh, you know, against, like, and I go, you know, even as a kid, I went, me, okay, mate, I go, I used to shut my mouth and just do what I was told. Like, I was yeah. the quietest kid in the world. Like, Submissive, yeah. Yeah, he's like, what are you kidding? I'm like, no, like, because you're so stubborn. I go, I'm not stubborn. I go, I became stubborn. Yeah. It's a trait, like, everyone in my family is stubborn. <laughs> you know, stubborn <laughs> you and sarcastic. <laughs> stubborn and sarcasm, like, that's the two things we have. Yeah. But I go, no, I go, I know as a kid. Because I'd look at other kids and say, man, this kid's fucked. <laughs> like, you know, how's he not going to get beaten when he gets home? Yeah. And then you sort of look at it and it's like, what have I done that's so bad? Initially, you know, you think, what have I actually done? But you're getting punished for whatever reason. Even if it's not physical, even if it's just verbal and, you know, you're not watching TV for a month. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. But it happens so often that yeah. you believe their shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they degrade you. Like, they take away your freedoms. They degrade you so much that... You're so broken. So that happened to me. And, um, you know, it was really hard to deal with. Like I had suppressed it for such a long time. It didn't come up until um, my toddler started misbehaving. And then I was thinking, how am I going to deal with this behavior? I'm not going to, you know, like I started thinking, okay, well, I'm not going to hit him because... I know how it feels. So then I was like, oh yeah, I know how that feels. And then I started going down that path going, oh my God, all these bad things happened to me. And I had to go get therapy over it and process it. Look, there's a difference between, (laughs) (laughs) there's a difference between, like I've said this to, like I've got relatives and I've got friends that have just let their kids run riot. Yeah. Yeah. And they've said the same thing, like, oh, I don't want to hit them. I'm like, yeah, but there's a difference between discipline and corporal punishment. Yeah. No one's saying you have to string them up. Well, this is the thing. See, I needed to learn how to discipline appropriately without 
physical abuse because I hadn't learnt and it hadn't been modelled to me. like That it's possible, yeah. Yeah, yeah like what to do. <laughs> so that's why, you know, this has been an interesting journey of parenthood and, um, you know, getting support from, um, you know, all different organizations to help with, you know, um, emotional regulation with the children, with myself and, um, you know, a- appropriate ways to discipline. Yeah. Yeah. You know what shits me? I actually said this to someone once. <laughs> I go, you've spent two years disciplining your pet dog to not shit inside know where it sleeps, come a command, yeah. know when to be quiet, know when to reward it, you know, appropriately, all that sort of shit. But you're not going to to spend 30 seconds to like even talk to your child like a normal person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shits me. Like that, that's one thing I've got wrong with like millennial parenting. It's just anyway, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I got a lot of issues. <laughs> all right. So, okay. So it started from the top basically and, and worked its way down. Yeah. So- this was the norm from five onwards, basically, for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From the beginning, because mum and dad were in their DV relationship. Yeah. Yeah, from the beginning, like when they started dating. When could you identify that, like with your parents? Oh. You, could, you knew this wasn't normal? Um, not until I was, like, last year, when I started educating myself No on shit. It. Yeah. I know. That's really astounding, isn't it? I didn't really, I knew that it was not okay, but I didn't know that to the extent like of what they were doing with each other is actually classified class or what dad was doing to mum is actually classified as domestic violence until I looked it up last year. Does that make sense? Like, no, it, do- no, it yeah. does. I'm just, but it's really stupid. Well, you no, know, it's, it's not naive. stupid. It's, it's not like, stupid. It's, it's just, it's, it's eye opening and, yeah. You know, it's scary because you're clearly educated. You know what I mean? You're an, ed- you're an educated person person. Yeah. in social circles and professional circles where this is abundant. You, like, you don't live a, sh- a hermit life where you have no internet and you've got like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, this is why I can explain why, like, I, th- I didn't really understand the full gamut and extent of what domestic violence meant. You know, like I didn't know, and this is why I want to raise the awareness. I don't know how many people are out there like me that don't get that it has to do with coercive control, like controlling aspects and taking away your freedom is domestic violence. Um, the financial abuse, like you not being involved in decisions that um, involve your money and your assets is financial abuse. It's so interesting you said that. I've, I've, I've got a friend who's who reached out to me saying, is this normal? Yeah. And I said, no. Exactly on that financial control, basically. Yeah. I had no idea, like, how to set up um, gas and electricity accounts. Um, I didn't have my name on a lease when we were renting interstate. Hold up. Uh, this is just a quick redaction, more as in a correction. Um, we corrected this after the fact. It's not that she didn't have her name on a lease. It's that um, Sophia had a name on a lease, but her partner had signed documents over using her name, address, and all that sort of stuff, if that makes any sense. Um, just all these things I just had no idea about, and I had to do it this year when I ran away. See, I can give you a flip of that as well. <laughs> like, I prop my, like, I don't shit on my parents, right? I'm not going to throw them down a well. 
but I will be critical of everything that they did wrong. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm open about it. Yeah. And like my old man, <clears throat> when it came to his paycheck, like every week, and I held him in high regard for this, right? Because I used to see it. And it was only until I was about 20, 19, when my mom actually started explaining the other flip of the coin. I used to watch my old man who worked, you know, a thousand hours a week in my head, mm. right? Um, come home on Saturday and pretty much like put his paycheck down on the table and just say, here. Yeah, like, mum. Here's, here's, here's all the money from the week. Yeah. Do with it what you want, right? Yeah. As long as the old man got like dinner ready, you know, and his clothes were clean, house was clean, kids were fed fed, and everyone's fine. Yeah. Then he did his bit, right? Yeah. So I used to hold him in high regard for that because I knew people that would hide money from their spouses and shit like that, yeah. right? Yeah. But then my mum said it to me. She's like, because I, I don't know, if, I can't remember what the conversation was, but I remember specifically what my mum had said to me. I can't remember if I was either defending him or whatever, but I think my mum brought it up and said, yeah, he's busted his ass to provide. Like, you know, he, he's honest and all this sort of shit. But at the same time, he relinquished any responsibility for budgeting the balance, like mm. balancing the budget, groceries. Like, you know, he, he wouldn't know how to set up an account if you asked him to. And that's true. I had to help him set up his account when he bought a house. And lived on his own. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Didn't know how to set up a phone line. Didn't know how to set up electricity. No idea. It was in his, you know, f- late 50s. Yeah. These are life skills, like, you know, I learned. I-, I was 16 or 15 when I set up my first phone account, my first mobile, my first landline. Yeah. I was 15, man. Like, so it's sort of like I can see the flip, you know. For, for me, that's a form of violence because it's like, <laughs> here, onus is on you. Make it fucking work. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? I see what you mean. Um, I think in a healthy relationship. <laughs> in, <laughs> Quite. Sorry. Sorry. In a healthy Air quotes. Re- yeah. <laughs> if, you know, the ideal healthy relationship, people would sit down together and discuss, you know, and, and work it out and put both names on bills and work it out together, you know, or whatever was more financially suitable and reliable for tax purposes or whatever like you would there's sort a it plan out and there's a purpose it's yeah. not just like sort it out it's everyone is you know um included and informed and you make the decision together right yeah that didn't happen for me everything Man. was made for me and um i just had to trust that it was okay yeah you know and i didn't know any better because you know, I didn't know any better about whether, you know, our stuff was okay, but like I didn't know any better from what had been modeled to me through extended family and what I saw with mum and dad as well. Okay. Yeah. So all that financial abuse, I'd, I'd been, I'd seen it. How were you like through, through high school? Were you socially out, like outspoken or were you sort of withdrawn? No, I was, um, I don't know. I was like really into my studies. Um, but not to say socially withdrawn, I had a lot of friends, like, a, you know, and I used to go to parties and drink, <laughs> you know. Is that, is yeah. that like the benchmark for this? Yeah, I drank. Like, yeah, well, I did things. I, I got on buses. Things. Yeah, yeah. I did go on buses. I went, you know, I used to go to Chapel Street. One day I, we caught the train to St. Albans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never did that. I never, I, did. I never went to the West Side. The West Side scared me. I had to um, see a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That. Totally. Hey, first, I was, first time I ever went to St. Albans Guinefar <laughs> station was to see a girl. I was like 17. Yeah. Yeah. I took a knife with me. Oh, really? Yeah. That, well, think of it like, man, this is 20, 2001, yeah. 2002. Yeah. It, man, the, 
gangs on the Pakenham line all the way through to St. Albans. Man, I don't know how many like gang fights you'd been in, but no. just going to Clayton house parties, they used to be get stopped either by cops or by a gang fight. Yeah. They get raided or overrun. And it was just the norm. And then we'd hear about Greeks going from Clayton to the West. Yeah. No, you, especially some of the sketchy suburbs out there, like St. Albans and Guinefer and stuff. It was like, no, you need to be aware of yourself. Yeah. Hey, I did that. All right. Wow. I wouldn't go to the West now. What for? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So you'd say counterbalance with your house, your home life. Mm-hmm. You think you're pretty normal? Like, yeah, externally? normal, but probably sheltered in the bubble. Well, you wouldn't say your street smarts? No. Were, not yeah. really. Not at all. No. Nah. That's the one thing I can say I actually had because I grew up in Clayton yeah. and then going into the east, uh, going into like the north and the west on weekends, you know? Yeah. I was around a lot of different type of people, a lot of different type of people. Mm. I'm only realizing it now that some people are just that sheltered. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was just friends with the friends that I had at school um, and friends of their friends from other schools, but they're all in the local area. And um, yeah, just that's it. Not, not much. Out of the southeast. Yeah. Yeah. So then, I mean, things changed for you, obviously, when you turned like 18, right? I still, I, yeah, well, I went out into the city clubbing, but I didn't, I still didn't go into the West. And <laughs> <laughs> Why is that the benchmark? <laughs> That's like the, the final frontier of hooliganism and life. I didn't go into the West. I didn't go into, <laughs> oh, I didn't go into the West. I was, I was bad, man. I had drug addicts and, uh, you know, alcoholism and oh, I didn't go to the West though. That's. <laughs> Serious? <laughs> well, I thought that's what you were asking me when no. I ventured out, you know, in um, suburbia. Just no. to make it clear, I don't have yeah. a problem with the West, yeah. <laughs> I really don't. I've got clients in the West. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Williamstown is lovely, okay? It's, it's fine. Yeah, I think you should Yarraville is that. really nice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Alienating a quarter of Melbourne. <laughs> Seriously. No, no, no. I'm just saying a lot of, okay, look, a lot of my... Th- uh, to give you an idea of where I came from, right? Like, I mean, I was bullied through high school and primary school. So I had low self-esteem going through high school, right? Mm. Extremely low. At one point, minimal friends, if any, withdrawn. I just worked on music and I took a lot of painkillers, basically. That was me from, you know, 16 to 18. Yeah. You know, 15, 16 to 18. That was me. When I got to TAFE, you know, you turn 18 and it's sort of like, all right, new page. You know, mm. new people to be around. You're... First step in independence. Yeah. I still had that chip on my shoulder, but I was starting to take control of over who was in my life as opposed to people I just had to deal with, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, and I really just, yeah, I worked on a lot of music and just sort of started finding out who I was and, yeah, meeting people and such stuff like that. But I still had this chip. And just based on the relationships I had going on at that point, my self-esteem was still shit, mm. like bad. Like it still is. You know, I still have the same inhibitions and anxieties, some of them that get triggered from shit that happened when I was eight, you know. Um, but I remember after I turned 18, 19, you know, you get your license, you start going out, you start seeing things. I started taking strides, but because I still felt obligated to have certain people in my life, it's like you tell yourself you don't deserve any better. Yeah. This is as good as it's going to get, cunt. Like, you will not get any better than this. Yeah. So, just live with it. Mm. 
So then what, what changed for you after you, say, turned 18 and started heading out yourself? Um, <clears throat> Breaking the bubble of, like, that social, that home sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it was just, I think still I was focused on my studies and I wanted to do well yeah. academically. I wanted to, um, you know, get a good job and... You know, that was motivating me a lot. But I also still wanted to have fun because I was so, I guess, oppressed by my father. I wasn't allowed to do that much. Um, I started going out clubbing and all that, meeting new people and um, making new friendships and realising, yeah, um, you don't have to spend time with extended family all the time anymore. Like, yeah. you're 18. You're not expected to turn up to this cousin's fourth birthday party. You know, like, and, and working as well, working with different people, different age groups, um, in a supermarket, like, yeah, like you hear their stories and you learn from them and, and things like that. So I guess it slowly started happening, but, um, not, you know, at an accelerated pace. I, th- I think I was still very naive and still very sheltered yeah. with my experiences. Where do you reckon cha- when do you reckon that changed, if it changed at all? <laughs> well, I think I'm wiser now. Well, look, I'm, I'm the- ta- look, I'm talking to you, and I, from even just your vibe and what we've said, even off mic, like you don't seem naive to me. Oh. I, I know. Yeah. No, no. Maybe naive in some things, but not naive about everything. Sheltered, you know, is hindsight. <laughs> you know, you can convince me you're a world beater and you've hung with the, the worst of them, but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know you that well. I'm just saying. mm so then, how did you end up being in a, an abusive relationship? I think, I okay, so I only had three relationships before, yeah, three relationships in my life. I've only had three serious long-term relationships in my life. Well, yeah, we're talking yeah. long-term relationships, yeah. not just, you know, you, you hooked up with someone or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, I would say that, all three of those were abusive. Seriously? Yeah. Um, there was one, the first one that I was in, um, I was, you know, like, it's not super duper abusive, but it was just like, he didn't appreciate me and he was taking me for granted and taking advantage of me. Like, so there's a level of disrespect there, right? That I was experiencing from him. For context, how old were you? Like, let's say. Oh, first boyfriend was a nineteen. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Your first. Yeah. I'm not counting high school shit. No, you know what I mean? no, I'm not counting that. I'm just saying your first yeah. proper relationship. You were nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then that only lasted. I don't know. I don't think that that lasted very long. A couple of months, and then or like nine months or something. I don't even remember if we made it to a year, but it doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. Then the next relationship that I had. Um, was almost three years and the same thing was happening to me where um, I was being taken for granted, uh, you know, like um, take, being taken for granted, um, taking advantage of, um, there wasn't like an equal you know, payment like of stuff. Like um, he was expecting me to pay for things that um, I shouldn't have I felt like I shouldn't have had to pay for, but I didn't have empowerment and a voice or high self-esteem. So I like just did it. This is what I was going to say, know? right? <laughs> because there's two, there's two ways that can sort of happen, right? It can, well, 
not two ways. There's a lot of ways, but this is what I'm seeing when I've seen these sort of things happening with other people, especially, right? Yeah. Is it because you set that standard and these people just gravitated towards it and eventually just came to accept it as this is what I can get away with? Or was that expected of you from the get go? Like, were you overcompensating because of your lack of, like, um, voice and confidence or whatever it is? Were you overcompensating and then just became the norm? So when you took it away, it was suddenly seemed as, what are you doing? Mm. Or was it like an expectation set on you from the start? I think it slowly, like, happened. It slowly grew. You know, when you get comfortable in relationships and you let let things slide. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, I just accept it as this is the new status quo. This is how it's going to feel. Yeah. Things like that. Um. Then my, you know, the third relationship that I had was with the person that I married and had children with. Um, there, there was a massive red flag and I didn't know that until I've been reflecting on it in therapy. How old were you when- you When I started get, getting with him, we were um, 22. And how old were you when you got married? Um, 28. Okay. So it, was, it wasn't like it was overnight. It was- It was slowly. It was process. a gradual. Yeah. Okay. But- um. You know, like the first thing that he said to me was he wanted... So, I had been with the, the, the second dude and we broke up and um, because my partner, like my, my ex-husband, um, him and I were friends for about a year and um, he like messaged me and said, oh, um, how you going? You know, do you want to catch up soon? And And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a bit sad. I just broke up with... Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, oh, um, do you want to catch up? You know, like I'll buy you a drink. We can commiserate, blah, blah, blah. But it was really like a guy's, like for a date. Like he really wanted to go on a date with me, except he didn't have much ladies experience. <laughs> uh, so he was just like, I guess, doing it like that. And then after that, he was like, he showed his intentions and he was like, oh, I'm really into you. I really want to go out with you. And I was like, well, um, I just broke up with my boyfriend for almost three years and um, I'm really, really heartbroken because I was in love with him. Um, and this is the first time that I'd been properly, you know, passionately in love. Yeah. And, um, you know, I need some time to get over it. And he was like, well you've you've only got me, like this is a one-time deal. Like if you want me, then you'll start going out with me now. Um, I'm not going to wait for you any longer because I waited for a year for you to break up with this dude. And like obviously that, that's a massive red flag and I should have been aware of it, but I wasn't. Yeah, I was 22 and I had no idea. And I fell for his manipulation. Like I just fell for it because I was like, Oh, this guy, he seems so awesome. He seems like marriage material. It's exactly what I want. Um, and you know, like I already had my approval issues from my parents. Um, you know, because, you know, that was already heavily ingrained in me. They, um, yeah, as I said, they dropped me off at my maternal um, grandparents' house and then I didn't live with them again until I was seven years old. So I had felt really abandoned by them. And they had my sister and they sold their shop. And so they were home to look after her. 
And so they formed an attachment with her, which they hadn't with me. Yeah. And so they constantly treated her better than they treated me. And, you know, so I was getting your unworthy messages from my mum, from my dad, and from my grandmother. This is in your 20s. No, this is like in my life growing up. This is my life growing up. So still to this day, they do this to me where they treat my sister better and I have to pull them up on it. Like, you know, I don't like this favoritism. Like I've found my voice and I started speaking up to them about that. But, um, you know, because I don't like conflict, like it's hard. It takes a lot of energy for me to just go, what you're doing is wrong and it's making me feel like a second-class citizen again. You've been doing this my whole life. You need to stop and think about what you're doing and, like, try and make amends kind of thing. And that's hard for them to do that because they're playing in that cycle. Like, that's their pattern that they've had since my sister was born. Um, now I lost my train of thought. No, like, why fine. did I bring up my... <laughs> no, why no. Did I bring I was... up? Oh, the approval issues. So, you know, like the approval issues, really wanted to please my I didn't parents. I did Sorry. Yeah. No, I just remembered. Sorry, no, go, sorry. Go. Yeah, I had the approval issues, you know, and I really wanted to have a boyfriend that they were going to love and accept. And he was from the same culture. So, you know, I thought, oh, you know, my dad and him will get on really well. He hadn't gotten on well with the other two boyfriends because they were of different cultures. Um, You know, finally, this might be a win, right? That's what was going through my mind. It's scary that you're already paving, you're already putting things in a plan that will win other people's approval and respect, but gives a shit about what you actually want. Exactly. Yeah. But I was like thinking in my brain, this guy will be, fantastic like he looks like his marriage material you know like i was brainwashed into you've got to get married and you've got to have kids that thing and i was like okay that's what i've got to do to please you know my parents and make them proud of me and and make them happy because i was so desperately craving all of that from them because i never got it yeah growing up um and so yeah so i started going out with him and slowly slowly he started Um, expecting things and, you know, disrespecting me and taking things away from me. Like he would get angry if I wanted to go to the toilet when we're at chatty because he hated wasting his time waiting for me and he would just get angry and stroppy. So he, so in order for me to avoid the anger, I used to hold on. I used to not go to the toilet. Because then I would feel his wrath, like his anger. He would just get angry with me over the stupidest things. If I went and got my hair cut and the lady fucked it up and she had to cut it again and again, you know, just to make it even, and then it ended up being too short, he was so angry with me. I was in so much trouble. When you mean what trouble? Like there How would was it manifest as in seething aggression. Like he would be angry for like a week. He wouldn't talk to me. It'd be cold shoulder. He would just be seething, like fuming. Like if you could imagine, there'd be steam pouring out of his ears. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that sort of energy thing. So you walk in a room with toxicity, you just feel it. Yeah, it's like I, you could literally feel plants wil- uh, wilt. Yeah, you know? that's how I describe it. Yeah, all because my hair got cut too short. Yeah. Yep. And he didn't like the the way I looked that How way. How far into the relationship was this when you actually started seeing all these? Like you got you had the initial red flag, right? Yeah. 
yep. naivete, blah, 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 blah. All right, you skip past it, you start dating. Mm-hmm. Let me count. Four years. It took four years for it to start. Yeah, because that's when we moved in together. So it all so, started pretty much when you moved in together. Yeah. How often were you seeing him before that? Mm. In a given week, you know. In a given week, I would see him like four times a week. Okay, so pretty. But, but it yeah. wasn't like, you know, four complete days. No, you, you know? you're have lunch, then you might go to a movie, then you whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like the weekends and Friday night and Wednesday night. Yeah, you know that's when Stand, standard, yeah, yeah, standard yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So before then, like we'd never argued. Ever. Ever. Never had an argument. And then when we moved in, that's when the arguments happened. When um. You know he wanted to pick out the appliances, but he had to run it past his dad, even though my dad was the one that was paying for them. Um. He had to pick out the furniture um, that his dad was going to buy for us. You know, there was elements of control from his father and from him happening how into did, how my house was going to be decorated. How did and you finished. not combat it? But how did you actually take that on? Like, oh, I was upset. No, like from like, the first conversation. Yeah. Right about say furniture. Yeah. What was your first reaction? Surely you didn't see that as normal. I did. I absolutely thought that that was normal. We're just having a disagreement about styles of furniture. I want this. He wants that. Okay. Well, how much am I prepared to fight over it? So you're saying for four years you never pick it over shit like this? Yeah. Not, like not about what you're wearing. Not about anything. It was. I mean, objectively, like looking back at it now, remove any element of naivete or your willingness to compromise. Yeah. Or was it the fact that for four years, because of your willingness to compromise, there was never any arguments? Probably that. that that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Because I know people that, yeah, every time I hear about these sort of situations, it's either, oh, no, it was toxic from day one, like both back and forth. Mm-hmm. Or, no, they were perfectly fine until, and it's always they moved in together or they had a kid or there was a big change. Like, you know, they had to move. Yeah. Someone changed jobs, careers. There was some big um uh, what's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah, a big change. I know what you mean. Yeah, there's a there's a word. There's a word. I use it often, but I can't, <laughs> I've gone blank now. Uh, catalyst. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Yeah, there yeah. you go. You see, I do know big words. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Usually, there's it's either two people coming into a toxic sort of situation because they have their own issues. Yeah, and they just manifest because it's just the nature of the beast, yeah. or there's a catalyst at some point that triggers this wave of like this second personality that they never saw. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm just trying to understand whether I think it was that. So yeah, removing think- the element of you say over compromising and having no real voice for four years on the surface, it seemed normal. Yeah. On okay. the surface, it seemed normal. And then when we move in and then he wants everything his way, um, I'm a non-confrontational person. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I had been taught to be that way because it was safer for me to behave that way. Yeah. Um, You know, I let him win, even though I was unhappy. Yeah, it wasn't worth it. Well, for me, yeah, safety was way more worth it than what my dressing table looks like. And so, 
you know, and also I was up against his dad who was scary from day one. I met him and I got bad vibes off him. And, um, you know, he's very, very controlling, which is exactly why my partner turned out that way because his parents are in a DV situation as well. Yeah. Which is obviously unsurprising. (laughs) So, yeah, so he, yeah, so after um, we moved in together, he got everything the way that he wanted it to be. Um, Then we get married. Um, A year after that, I have a kid. Actually, hang on. Can I just cut you off for a second? Yeah. I just want to bring something back. Like you mentioned your safety is more paramount than... Like what your dressing table looked like. Yeah. Did you feel unsafe? Unsafe as in I didn't want any anger. Okay. Yeah. I didn't want him to be angry. But the anger only... It was like he's going to be angry with me for another thing. I haven't gone to the gym today. I went to the toilet while we're at Chatty. You know, like... Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm just going to upset him again, you know? Let's take that toilet issue, right? Yeah. Was that apparent... In the four, four years? Yeah. Okay, see, this, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. That is an issue. It was, yeah. Okay. But so, I, he chalked it down to he hates waiting and wasting time. Okay, but what I'm saying is... But, like, that was normalised in my brain, that he gave me that excuse that I was like, oh, okay, so that's how you are. You're just really impatient and I shouldn't make you angry because, you know, you don't want to waste your time. Like, that's how it, like, went through in my brain and I was, like, accepting of it. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. But I shouldn't have been accepting of it because, you know, I had been, this had been modelled my whole life with extended family, my own family, like, don't anger the man. Do whatever the fuck he wants and keep him fucking happy and um, your life will be good. (laughs) That's that's, that's what I mean. For four years, okay... See, now Sorry. I'm starting... No, no, no. I'm just starting to understand it. Probably because... And that's exactly what I'm talking about. In your head, you'd compartmentalized it and normalized it. Yeah. It's just that after the four years when you moved into in, in together... Yeah. That was a catalyst for even more shit. That's, the, yes, we, that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. By that point, you were overcompromising, but it was relatively normal. Yeah. This was just part and parcel of his personality. But... Yeah. It blew... It started getting fucking ugly... Yeah. ...when you moved in together because now it was... It wasn't four days a week, it was seven. Yeah. And there's bigger things at play. This is what I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't want to put words in your mouth. No, just... that's right. That's exactly okay, right. Okay, cool. So then uh, we fell into the normal 1950s um, <sighs> thing where I was full-time working. He was full-time working, but I was also expected to cook, clean, and, you know, he'd be sitting there playing video games and I'd be vacuuming the house. You know, and then mopping and then doing the washing and I'd do his shirts and he would get upset because I wasn't able to remove the yellow armpit stains from his sweat on there effectively enough. And he demanded that I sit there and scrub them until they're completely white. And I was like, look, dude, I put it in the washing machine. I spray the pre-remove stainer and that's the extent. Yeah, whatever. Like, that's the extent of what I'm doing. If you don't like that, you can do it yourself. Like, that's what I was, you know, saying to him, and then he'd get angry. So then I'd just wash them twice. Yeah. In the hopes that it was, the stain was faded enough. I've got to ask <laughs> all this stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, you would have been in your like mid 20s by this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Mid to late 20s. Yeah. Who did you f- talk to about this? 
I was so embarrassed. I didn't talk to anyone about this. Okay. So it was never a conversation that you had with like your best friend or whatever? No, not at that point. Not at that point yet. Is that purely out of just embarrassment? Yeah. And, and like shame, shame. I felt like a lot of shame, like, you know, you're supposed to just soldier on, you know, you just stay with the person, like just keep going kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but also <clears throat> part of it was like, even though he's making me feel sad, um, isn't this normal? Because I see mum do this all the time. Dad yells at her all the time and she just cops it on the chin and keeps going. So I thought I had to play out the same thing. Does that make sense? No, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. does. It makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah. So it didn't get really, really bad until I had my, my baby, my okay. first baby. Can I ask? Yeah. In the four years, how long into your first, how long were you together when you had your first child? Um, Oh, okay. So if we moved in together after four years and then a year and a half later, we were married and then a year later came the baby. Okay. In that point, right? In the relationship. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about all the, like the negativity. Were there positive traits? Yeah, there were. Positive because you were happy to get anything or positive that you could genuinely say like we're happy points? Maybe a bit of both. Okay. No, no, that's fair. Yeah. It's just like I have these conversations with people and yeah. like, you know, it's like how, why would anyone stick around? Yeah. Surely like, la, la. it's like, no, because I've sat in relationships that I was miserable in. Yeah. Just because I didn't think I deserved any better or this yeah. is as good as it gets or yeah. what more do I expect? You know? No, I did feel love for him. Like I, otherwise I never would have married him. I was really happy when I saw him at the end of the um, church, you know, the church altar when I was walking down. Did um, you feel it was reciprocated? Yeah. Okay. Like I knew he loved me too. Like mm-hmm. we loved each other, but the way. Yeah. Op- co- co- cohabitating the same space. Yeah. And yeah, working in a relationship is totally different whether or not you love someone or whatever. Yeah. Like it's, it's only a small part. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, I would even say like now in hindsight and now that I've educated myself on this topic, when I was with him, living with him before we got engaged and married, um, that would have, like for me, that's intolerable. What I had was going through is intolerable. Um, but, you know, your threshold changes and you're aware of things, Yeah, you come right? numb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. You're, you're numb at that. You accept it. Because that's what you need to do to survive. Yeah. But even though there is, like, there was happiness, I did love him and I did feel loved from him. Um, I guess, like, he said to me that he wasn't aware that he was doing all these things. Do you think that was bullshit? I think to, well, how can you say to someone, you know, you can't have this chocolate we can't buy this chocolate because it's too expensive and you promised you'd go on a diet. Like, how can you say someone, like consciously say that to someone and not think that it is affecting their self-esteem? You're talking to someone who orders four appetizers instead of three. Yeah. Okay. I, I blow most of my money on food. Good on <laughs> okay. you. Well, food, food makes you happy. I'm you Greek. Know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Greek. There's 
Greeks don't cut corners on food, bro. Yeah. Like, it just does not happen. Yeah. Okay? You don't do it. Yeah. Greeks go to a restaurant, and it's like the last meal they're ever going to eat. So let, <laughs> it's like, the banquet. This you is, the this, banquet. Is, this is what they're going to write about in the papers yeah. tomorrow morning. They're going to say that we came, we saw, and we conquered the fuck out of that tavern. Yeah. Do you understand me? Yeah. And then at the end of the night, th- this is the irony about Greeks. Through the whole night, they're like, ah, you know, you... I've got a lot going on. You don't know how hard shit is. Ah, the business is dying. You know, everyone's sick and the car's fucked. At the end of the night, it's like they're blind doing shots on the floor. Bring another bottle. You know, and they're yeah. buying every... It's like, what do you mean you ran out of scotch? Like, they're forcing people to bring scotch out from under the bar. Yeah. And at the end of the night, they're throwing 50s and 100s. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not paying. It's like, you can't pay a $1,000 bill. Fuck off. And they're literally getting into a brawl <laughs> to, to cover the tab. Look, what's wrong with you people, man? Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. Then they wake up. It's like, never again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Freaking right. morons, man. <laughs> I can't. Greeks are the worst. Anyway, sorry. That's all right. Um, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to take away from what you were saying. No, no. That's yeah. It's a funny story. <sighs> okay. You're right. It's, it's a good observation. <laughs> that's literally a, yeah, life. I know. It's a good observation. <laughs> it's a good anecdote. Oh, fuck wits. Um, <laughs> okay. See, this is the thing. Like, as in, you put in a, take my experience. I know, I know what toxic traits I picked up from, you know, my parents, my family, extended family, people in my life. And a lot of growing, a lot of experiences, I probably would have been, shit, mid to late twenties when I actually started winding back the clock a bit and saying, hang on, like this can't be right. Not because of what I was, I had going on, but because of how I was exhibiting, the behaviour I was exhibiting towards people. Mm. You know, fast forward again, and again, catalysts. Yeah, certain people come into your life and they set a benchmark, a tone. You know, you see something someone's doing. It's like, you know what? I like what they're doing. I, sh- I'm, I should be doing more to reciprocate. And then, yeah, I, I should be. That, that's normal. Yeah, I shouldn't feel these inhibitions or anxieties or whatever. But then you start seeing more and you delve more and it's like, yeah, you know what? Even that's not right. Like, slowly, slowly, like, there's no perfect person. Everyone's fucked. Mm. But you truly start to recognize what toxicity is and what just, you know, that character trait is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Some people you're never going to change, but sometimes it's not worth changing them because it's like, that ah, big deal. You know, they put up with this, I put up with that, and we call it even. But being truly toxic is totally different. Yeah. It's not about just, no, well, they put up with my you know, crying at sad movies and I'll deal with their compulsive gambling. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. That's yeah. ridiculous. Got to be on the same sort of level. Exactly. <laughs> it's got to be within the same ballpark. Like, yeah. otherwise it doesn't work. Anyway, continue. I'm yeah. really sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I don't remember what part I was up you to. You were talking about how what was seemingly normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The things that, that were intolerable. Yeah. By that point. So, I would say, like, now in hindsight, that that space and time would be intolerable for me now. Like, I would not accept that in any future partners. Did it get better or worse after that? Oh, worse. We had the kids. I had um, my first child and um, it just got in- significantly worse. Like, I was um, perinatally depressed. So, that means, like, while you're pregnant, yeah. you're, yeah, yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> making sure other people knew what that means Um, because I didn't know when I first heard that. As soon as I gave birth, it was like that's what my purpose was, to have this child. 
you know, like I was just this vessel and um, I was no longer human. And um, this child needed to be fed. And so I was like the cow feeding the child the milk and like, like I was just a body part. Like he didn't even treat me like I was a human being after that. And especially like the first few months of having that, my, my baby. And, um, you know, like he didn't allow me to, um, put the baby in the pram and go for a walk. Why? Because he didn't want the baby to breathe in toxic fumes from the cars that might be driving past as I walk down the street. Yep. And he was saying that, um, he didn't think I was capable of strapping the baby into the pram. Um, I wasn't allowed to drive the car with the baby. Why? Because again, he didn't think I was capable of strapping the baby into the the car seat. He didn't think I could keep the baby safe. And he told me before he left to go back to work the night before um, from his um, paternity leave that he was afraid that I would kill our baby accidentally. Question. How long was his paternity leave? Um, Three weeks. Okay, so for this is a newborn baby we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. How much parenting had he done in those three weeks? Um, he was helpful. He changed nappies um, and tried to rock the baby to sleep, but I was doing all the feeding because I was breastfeeding. Yeah, I mean, you're and, expressing milk. How were you yeah. able to, I mean, this might be personal, but how were you able to express milk normally yeah. under these circumstances? Yeah, yeah. I was. It's all about the child. If the child suckles, then no, there's no, a supply but, and a demand. Yeah, but but it wasn't. Women, it women, wasn't. From it, what I know, women under extreme stress. Yeah. Have issues just expressing milk. No, I didn't. I was lucky enough to be. Um, by this point, this was normal. It's yeah. Not, it's not like. It's not like he was. It's not like he was brilliant and then turned to shit overnight. He was literally. This was gradual. Yeah. Gradual. Okay. Yeah, it was gradual, but it did surprise me. Because, uh, you know, like I got really sick while I was in the hospital and I was coughing so much that I vomited. And I was saying, like, I need medicine or something. And then he was like, no, you're breastfeeding, you can't have anything. And I'm like, can you check with a doctor? And he's like, no, I don't need to check. I don't want any chemicals going into the baby. Like he was just really unhelpful, unsupportive and controlling to the point where it was just the the baby like, was way, 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 way more important than me. Look, this, your ex sounds to me like typically exhibiting standard narcissistic sociopathic-like behaviours, right? Yeah. Would you say he's an intelligent person? Yeah, he is. Okay. No, no, I'm I'm just asking. No, he is, he is, yeah. Okay, because, again, no chemicals in my, that sounds just ridiculous to me. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Because some things can pass through into yeah, the breast Yeah, that's why milk. you don't drink booze <laughs> yeah, when, you're, yeah. when you're breastfeeding. Yeah. But I was like, surely I'd be able to take something. Like, couldn't you ask the doctor? And then he was just completely against asking the doctor um, for to help me in any way. And so I was suffering, coughing, vomiting. And I was having deep baby blues. Like, I just felt so much despair. And I'd never felt so devastatingly in that much despair, like a big dark black hole before in my life after with all, you know, after I had my first baby. Yeah. And, um, 
you know, like him just telling me all those things, like you can't do this because you're not capable. You can't do this because you're not capable. Just eroded my self-worth, self-esteem so much that I just didn't just think that I deserved to live. And I started fantasizing about taking the knife out of the knife block and slitting my wrists. Did he ever... Okay, here's a question. It might seem stupid, right? He said that, you know, you weren't capable of strapping your baby into its car seat, right? Yeah. Did he ever show you how to do it? I had to ask him. To do it? To show me how to do it. Did he? He did. And then... And then after that, um, because I could demonstrate that I could do it competently, I was allowed to drive the baby around. (sighs) Okay. But it was only because... I was going to say it's going to be an inconvenience if you can't actually leave the house. Yeah. (laughs) But I was was trapped in that house for a really long time. There's like an eight-week review that you have to take the baby to for... um, Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when I was allowed to leave. Like... He taught me how to do the car seat thing, <laughs> like in preparation for the eight-week review. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, it was really extreme. And he, yeah, he took away so much from me and I just thought that I was I was worthless. And um, the whole time that um, we, I was pregnant, he didn't want to have sex with me. He completely sexually rejected me and that really hurt. That like fucked with my brain. Okay. When you, like beyond that, was all forms of intimacy gone? Before in, that, before we had the child? No, no, no. As in <clears throat> after the child yeah. were all forms of intimacy off the, off the table. I'm talking like anything, holding hands, like kissing hello, good night, whatever. Kissing hello, good night and, uh, and a cuddle. That still happened, but nothing else. Okay. Yeah. So while I was pregnant, that was the same. And then after I had the baby, he'd, you know, kiss me occasionally and hug me occasionally. But when I told him that I was ready to, yeah, have. Yeah, you're in the mood, whatever. Yeah. He still, again, he was like, no, nah, not doing it with you. Was um, there an explicit reason why? Um, he said that he was traumatized from viewing the birth. And that he um, didn't find me sexually attractive anymore postpartum. Okay, I've got to ask two questions. Yeah. I'm going back to that safety issue. At this point, I mean, he's, all these controlling demands, all this abusive uh, language mm-hmm. and stuff like that, right? Were there actual threats of violence, though? No. So there was never any point that he actually threatened violence? No. Do you ever feel like... He was going to threaten violence Um, or like be violent spontaneously? Later on, like last year, I would say. so towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. Last year um, when we would have arguments about things, he started getting more aggressive, like pushing furniture around and slapping benches and things like that. Okay. So there was extroverted forms of violence, but that was only towards the end of the the cycle. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, just to... I'm just trying to get an idea of like, no, no, like I'm not making light of it. It doesn't no. make it any less important or relevant. I'm just saying like what you've experienced isn't weakened in any way. No. Because by this point you're a prisoner in your own house and yeah. your life. Yeah. You don't need acts of violence. You're already a shell of a person as it is. Yeah. That's why. Like I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. But this is the thing, right? This was what was going through my brain. If he hurts me, I will leave. But all of this other shit that was happening to me. Was normal. Was normal. 
And this is what I mean. This is like what I want to raise awareness about. All that other fucked up shit that was happening to me is not normal. And if this is happening to someone, get the fuck away. <laughs> Can I ask? I, th- I think you, I mean, you touched on it before, but I just want to clarify. Yeah. You said there was a red flag straight off the bat, right? Yeah, I know, but Hang I. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. When was the. Do you remember what the first subtle, you know, you need to be doing this, not this? Oh, go to the gym. How, I had to look a certain way. How quickly was that? Um. Say so day one. Yep. A month, a year. No, no. Let me think. Oh, probably three years into the relationship, the demand of the way that I was supposed to look. Was that the first explicit demand of you changing something? Um, or was it still, yeah. or was it still yeah. like you overcompromising for shit to avoid arguments from the start? Um. Well, I'll just say this: when he demanded that I go to the gym. If I um if I hadn't gone to the gym, there was the seething anger with the steam Three years in. Yeah. Um so I had to lie about going to the gym to please him. Okay. And um it only really started ramping up when I moved in with him because he could check yes. whether I'd gone to the gym yeah. or not. And so I used to go to my grandparents' house and change into workout gear. And then go home yeah. after work, just so I'd look like I'd spent enough time um, at the gym. Um, but I was really at my grandparents' house. Maternal or paternal? Maternal. I know. I was still being nice to my grandmother I'm, at that point. Yeah. I'm, no, no. I just, <laughs> just want the scope of it. Yeah, no. Yeah. But this is like how I was just accepting shit from everybody. I was still being nice to my grandmother. It wasn't until, um, like, when I when my first baby turned two, and he presented with the um, with the difficult um, behaviour, and then I was like, "Oh crap! How do I do this?" Like that story again. When I realised that that's what she'd done, and then I realised she doesn't deserve me in her life. Like, I don't want her a part of. You know, I don't want to actively see her kind of thing and that's when I like cut ties with her. Yeah. Even though she turns up at Christmas and Easter, I don't I just don't talk to her. Yeah, just disengage. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've had your kids. Yeah. Um he's switched off from that point. As in like emotionally and intimately or whatever. Yeah. Com- completely? By a second child? Um, no, we haven't had the second child yet. We're still on the first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm skipping ahead here. Yeah, you are skipping Sorry. Ahead. That's okay. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, well, I had, yeah, I had the first one. Didn't, he still didn't want to have sex with me. Not sexually attractive to him anymore because I've put on weight by being pregnant, having his baby. Yeah. Um, completely, totally crushes me even more. Like, if I wasn't already fucking low, this made me even worse. Um, I get my period. Guess what? He's interested in having sex with me again. You know why? Wants another baby. And that wasn't on your cards? Didn't want it. I wasn't ready. I was still super postnatally postnatally depressed. I was incredibly irrational and emotional because my child was not sleeping. And so I was waking to feed the child. Um, and 
you know, so many of my freedoms had been taken away. So for me, babies equal abuse, trauma, no freedom, trapped in the house, you know, Um, and hard work because I was doing most of it. But yeah, he wants to have another baby. And because I've been deprived and, and it's this point it, it's um 18 months of no sex and you know like that does things to people <laughs> you yeah. have needs like yeah. <laughs> you, you, you want them fulfilled yeah so having sex with him was really confusing because i didn't want to have another baby but i also still wanted to feel loved and um you know, like, I guess I grew up with the whole, if a man wants to have sex, you comply kind of thing. You keep the man happy. You service the man. Doesn't matter if you're not satisfied, you know, just do it. But obviously, like, if you don't want to have sex, you shouldn't have sex. And for me, that wasn't explained. And I didn't know that that was wrong. And so it was happening. At this point... You still haven't said anything to any of your friends or anything? No. Surely someone never questioned anything? Well, I mean, whenever we had like parties and we were hosting, he would treat me really, really badly. Like he got, he would get stressed because the, um, the lamb was burning <laughs> on the spit and, um, you know, or like something was going wrong and it's my fault that I'm not supporting him or helping him enough. And my mum would go, this isn't right. He shouldn't be yelling at you, you know, over this or whatever. Um, and I was upset, but I just thought, I, again, he's just stressed. I was making excuses for him. He's just stressed. This is what he does. Dad yells at mum. I was always comparing my relationship to mum and dad. Dad, ye- dad yells at mum whenever they host things. This is normal. But <laughs> even with your friends, right? Yeah. Were you just good at masking things? Yeah. And he was a really great actor. They usually are. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Like your closest group of friends, right? Yeah. How long would you say the longest relationship with your longest friend would be? Since year 12. Year 12. Yeah. So 2003. Okay. So Mm. the rest of your friends, your core group, maybe not even group because some of us don't actually have groups. I don't have groups anymore. Uh, most of my groups are splintered. You know, the only reason I might have groups come together would be because I'm bringing them together for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, how well do you reckon they know who you are? Yeah. The the girls that I have in my life would know a lot. But they didn't know me. about any of this? Not yet. And you were, they never questioned anything. You just seemed normal. They didn't say anything. It wasn't until I started having conversation with conversations with them about it after I woke up yeah. to the fact that they started saying things like, oh, yeah, I used to observe that and I used to think that that was really controlling, but I just thought that that's culturally how you guys were okay. and, and, you know, that you were okay with it. Okay. So it was apparent. Yeah. Like a chink in the armor was apparent, but. Yeah. No one said anything. Okay. Everyone's busy minding their own business. Oh, so then I'm with child Yeah. after, you know, having confusing sex. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not happy. 
I didn't want to. I felt no joy during that pregnancy. And I think a lot has to do with the brain chemistry and the trauma that I'd already experienced. Um, and it took me a really long time to fall in love with her after I gave birth to her. And that pains me and that makes me feel so sad that that happened. You know that's not your fault, right? I know. I totally understand that it's not my fault and it's his choices that caused me to be that way. But it doesn't matter because I love her so much. I love her. I love both of them. I love both of them so incredibly much. Um, it's just that, and that's what hurts the most. It would have been. <laughs>